This is the What Now Podcast. There are so many times when I fight against what I feel impressed to do, or sometimes I feel nothing, like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes that's a just be patient, just keep going. And sometimes you choose. But as I feel that, I focus on that word allow a lot. And I've been doing scripture studies back into the word allow, like allowing ourselves to come to Christ in a way that's personal, allowing ourselves to go back to those hard things and choosing to heal from it, allowing to take certain people that are harmful out of our lives and allowing light and truth and good people into our lives to fill us up. So I think when we look around at what the Lord has prepared for us and we allow ourselves to step into this scary unknown and actually put our trust in Him, like President Nelson said, to let God prevail in our lives, He will show us beautiful people and beautiful things, things that we can't even imagine were possible and a happiness and joy that comes from leaning on Him and just trusting that He knows what is best for us. This is the What Now Podcast, where we discuss sensitive topics surrounding cultural norms in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I am Mary Alice Hatch, your host. The guests I have chosen and the questions asked are intended to facilitate honest and respectful discussions that will uplift, inspire, and invite more understanding, hope, and healing for our church community. Note, to ensure that the conversations and topics discussed can remain focused and unfiltered, the production of this podcast has been personally funded by myself as a public service for you and every listener. I invite you to join me in creating positive change by simply sharing this podcast with family and friends. Join me as I speak with Lisa Ashby, where she shares her journey being raised in an unconventional LDS home. She shares what her reality looked like and the strategies she used to turn away from repeating her past and heal from the challenges of her childhood to create the life she always wanted. Her story is inspiring. Today we will be talking about the reality that not every family in the Church of Jesus Christ is perfect. Sometimes there are things that happen in our families that are difficult. Today I'll be talking to Lisa Ashby about her journey with an unconventional family and how she was able to navigate through it and find joy. Lisa and I met at BYU Education Week this year when I attended her class titled Stories That Heal Us, and I was so impressed by her honesty. She shared her personal history and the challenges she faced growing up that I asked her to be on the podcast with us, and she is here today. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So glad you're on with us today and willing to share your story. It's powerful, and it's going to help a lot of people, so thank you. You have experienced a lot of loss in your life. In fact, during class, you put up a list on the screen of various challenges and loss that you faced during your formative years. And I have to say, I was shocked when you revealed that everything on that list had happened to you personally before you were 21 years old. Almost seemed inconceivable to me. So can you share what your journey looked like and how it impacted your life? Sure, that is a big question. I think my difficulties at an early childhood started when I was six. My brother and I were living in Utah with my parents, and they ended up getting divorced. And my brother and I moved to Tucson. And through those years, lots of things happened, but my mom ended up getting married to someone who had several children. And there was a lot of abuse that came from those other children or that stepdad on just about every level. There were drugs in the home, alcohol, self-harm. 
I had a really good friend of mine that passed away during fifth grade. And my mom then got divorced during fifth grade and remarried in sixth grade. My dad got married in sixth grade. And everything seemed kind of still and quiet for a while. But through those years, I had a lot of people towards the end of my high school year in about two-year time frame, three years. I lost nine people that were really close to me for various reasons, from car accidents to old age to I had a friend that was murdered, a couple people that committed suicide that I was close to. Then several years later, my mom got divorced again because of choices that stepfather had made. And so it's kind of been unconventional is, is the right way to maybe say that. There's been a lot of heartache and a lot to deal with in a short amount of time growing up. Yeah, that is a lot. That's pretty heavy. And what have you learned from these heartbreaking experiences? I mean, we do have these, I don't know anyone who's had that much trauma in their formative years, and that is a very heavy burden. And I can only imagine what it took for you to move on from those experiences, but we do learn things from these experiences. And what have you learned from some of these heartbreaking experiences? I think one of those things that stuck out to me at an early age is just learning the truth that life is hard and it is unfair often. I love Elder Renlund's recent talk about infuriating unfairness and the heartbreak. Like I've met so many people that have stories so much worse than even mine. And while that's inconceivable, I often think about the scripture in John 16 where Jesus was talking and he said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And it's difficult to wait on the Lord in a manner where everything feels like it's falling apart all of the time. So life lesson number one is it's hard and it's not fair. I think something I see often is people will tend to take their past or a negative or bad experience and they will play the victim of that. And because of my mother's really powerful, awesome, faithful example she taught me really early that you don't have to play the victim. You can get up and brush yourself off and keep going. And we don't have time to let Satan tell us the lies that we hear in our head. The Lord needs us for good and powerful and beautiful things in this world. And we have the capacity to overcome the bad because our brother Jesus Christ did that. So we can be like him in standing up and going forward and doing what the Lord has intended for us in our lives. And that's beautifully said. And that's true. I mean, Satan is always in our ear trying to kind of bring us back to the victim. And it's not productive for the person that these things happen to and their progression. It halts their progression. Can you speak to that? Yeah. I think one of the stories I love the most in the scriptures that I learned about that one is in Alma. And as we read about, it's also in Numbers 21. And it's where Moses holds up this brazen serpent and all of these people, the Israelites are perishing because they will not look at this serpent and they don't believe that it's going to heal them. So I feel like we read this scripture really wrong in the church and it's in Alma 33, 20. And it said, but few understood the meaning of these things and this because of the hardness of their hearts. And there were so many that were hardened that they would not look, therefore they perished. And now the reason they would not look, and this is where I think we read it wrong. And now the reason they would not look is because they did not believe that it would heal them. And we put the emphasis on the word heal. But I think what changed for me was when I changed the emphasis and I read it this way. And they would not look because they did not believe that it would heal them. 
And sometimes when life is hard or we had really terrible things happen to us, we can look at the scriptures and we can see all the miracles that Jesus does and we believe them and they're true. But somewhere deep down inside of us, I feel like we disconnect and we feel like I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy enough to have the Savior step in and heal me. And we're not willing to believe that he will actually heal us personally. So I think that that's something that changed for me. Like I said, we don't have time to sit around in this world and Yeah, and healing wait. kind of evolves. Totally. And it takes a long time. It is not an instantaneous thing. Yeah. And time doesn't heal all wounds actually in this earth life sometimes, but it does help with perspective. Absolutely. There's a lot of things I experienced in my past that I can look at now as an adult or with my own family. And I can look back and I can see that story differently. And I can understand my parents' perspective. Well, also you're older. Right. Which is the beauty of not letting yourself stay in a terrible situation or playing the victim. Things change. So you need to allow yourself the freedom and the grace to change and grow and the ability to look back and see that in a more beautiful way. Yeah. So what helps you heal spiritually from the childhood trauma you experienced? I mean, you're touching a little bit on these verses of scripture and you're clearly from the class could tell that you are into your scriptures. You're a spiritually based person. I mean, how did that help you on this journey? Oh, I love the scriptures. I think that we could talk for several hours about scriptures in this story and how they've helped me personally. I think the very first thing that happened in my life was my first spiritual experience. And I think that bound me to God in a way that was undeniable for the rest of my life. And in some ways it prepared me. So my healing, I was actually given a portion of that healing before it all started. So if you have a second, I can just share that story. When my parents got divorced and we moved to Tucson, we didn't know anybody there and we weren't close to any family or anything within about an hour drive. So when we sitting in my apartment one day, listening to all of the kids playing down and remember I was six, they were all swimming in the pool and I was up in my room and I just remember this overwhelming feeling of grief and abandonment feeling like I was unwanted. And I remember feeling like I needed to read my scriptures. So I did. And I don't remember what I read that day. But when I was done, I knelt down and I just poured my heart out to God. And I just said, Heavenly Father, like, I don't know how you're going to fix this. I don't know how to take care of my mom. I need my brother and I to be good in school so that my mom doesn't have to worry about that. I need you to help take care of us financially. My mom was a nurse and I knew that and she always had a job. But in the moment, I was concerned about all of these adult things. And I was just remember pouring my heart out and feeling like I was so alone and unwanted and not understanding the gravity of all of it. And so I just pled for help and simply just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And as I was kneeling there, I had the warmest feeling come over me. I could physically feel I don't even know how to describe it. Just physically feel an arm around my shoulder and someone pull me closer. And it was the voice of Heavenly Father. And he simply spoke in my ear and just said, Lisa, I was your father first. And since that day, it has changed my entire perspective from what I lost to realizing I have someone that is with me all the time. 
and he has made good on his promises to take care of our family, even though there's been lots of ups and downs. But I think spiritually, in order to heal, I have to keep going back and remembering those spiritual experiences that I've had along the way. And that was one that bound me to God in the beginning. And he let me know that he's been there the whole time. Yeah, that's really powerful. At that age, you were six years old. Yeah. And that you had that experience where God knew maybe that's what you needed to get you through the next several years. Yeah, decade and a half. That God was with you, that God was aware of you, that he knew who you were. And that's powerful. There were lots of times I was like, oh, I wish my dad could ever hear me play the piano or sing or see me in my high school musical production. And all of those things, I could sit there and dwell on the loss of that. And yes, that does hurt my heart in certain ways. But I can also remember that my father, who was my father first, has watched me do all of those things. And he's planted those gifts inside of me to be able to do those things. So we can retell those stories in a healthy way with strengthening our connection to God. And I feel like that's something that really helped me spiritually and taking time to be still. Every night I would go out as often as I could and lay on the trampoline in my backyard and just look at the stars at night. And I had to find time to be still and just communicate with him and not rely on the other people or influences around me and just strengthen that connection as much as I could. That's such a beautiful image of you as this little girl laying on your trampoline under the stars and just reaching out for connection. I mean, it does take effort. We have to reach out right? The Lord can heal you on the inside, but you have to ask to be healed. Yeah, you need to ask to be healed. And one of the scriptures that my husband and I found early on in our marriage is to find that it's DNC 11111. So it's easy to remember. But it says, be ye as wise as serpents and yet without sin. And I will order all things for your good as fast as you are able to receive them. And I feel like that's a tall order. Like that means that when we wait on the Lord for miracles to happen or that healing inside to happen, even if things aren't going to be perfect, he can still make us whole if we're willing to constantly be moving forward and trying. And I love President Nelson, right? He said, effort counts. Like the Lord loves effort. And I think every step forward is a victory. Absolutely. And there's been a lot more talk of that, like, hey, get connected, ask the Lord how he feels about you and wait for the answer. I mean, President Nelson was just saying that recently. Right. And I sat several people in my life who are so afraid to ask that question. And going back to my experience when I was little, like I said, I don't know another word, like it bound me to God and my confidence level increases when you know that he is there. And you have a testimony of knowing that he is moving in your life. And even when bad things happen, like that scripture says, don't worry about it. Like I've overcome the world and all of this. And one day you're going to rest from all of that. So we just keep moving forward and we keep trusting his promises. And in time, when we are able to receive those things, he will give them to us. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we don't get the answers that we want in the time frame that we want. And that can be really frustrating. I know that's been frustrating to me at certain moments in my life where I really needed his help. And I felt like I was being strung along a little longer that I felt I could handle. But now in retrospect, I see the wisdom in what he was doing, right? I mean, we see everything in perspective and reflection. We can understand why. But while we're waiting on the Lord to help us, what are some practical things 
people can do who can heal from really hard things that have happened in their lives. Right. And our miracles usually never come on the timetable that we want, like ever. And when we do, we're like, oh, I noticed that. Thank you. Like, that was awesome. But that is the rare exception. So I feel like that's a really great question, Mary, because oftentimes when we're trying to wait on the Lord and have miracles, we just keep thinking, I just need to keep praying and I just need to read my scriptures and I need to fast and I need to go to the temple and I need to do all those things. And that is true. And that is good. And we should do all of those things. But I love that the church's youth program has illustrated this in a little bit more simple way. Like there's the spiritual component and the physical and the emotional and the intellectual. And if we're only focused on the spiritual part of healing, that does not complete the whole person. There were lots of things during my journey that I needed to do on all of those levels. So even though I feel like from my past looking back, I feel like I could look at all those demons in the eye and say, I don't own you. I don't accept you. I'm not recreating you. There was still trauma inside that needed healing. So that wasn't just on a spiritual level. So that led me to, I woke up one morning with three little kids pregnant with my fourth I was pouring breakfast, milk at the breakfast table, and all of a sudden I just collapsed on the floor. And for several days I had zero, like zero use of my limbs, my arms or my legs. And it took about eight years where this would just come and go episodically as I was stressed or I was tired and in the thick of things. So there's more that affects than just our spirit, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So in doing all those things in righteousness and in waiting on the Lord in faith and being faithful and continuing to have effort and asking for that healing, I thought what was MS. So it led me to professional help to be able to go see an MS doctor. And in praying before I went to go see him, that he would ask the right questions, he got to my childhood in three questions. And that changed my life when he realized that You've done a lot of healing from this trauma, but you are not done yet. So while I was processing that, things got worse for a while. And they don't always just get better. But the Spirit led me, and I think that's a really important key, is the Spirit needs to lead you to different aspects, physically, emotionally, intellectually as well. So I had to own some of those things from my hard past, look at them. And the Spirit told me very clearly after that appointment with that doctor, I'm asking you to do something hard and go back in your life and physically write down and keep a record of all the stuff that's happened to you. And it could be words, it could be phrases, it could be sentences, it could be stories, but I took weeks and it was a labor that was emotionally heavy. And I took weeks and every time a thought would come up that was negative or something someone said to me or the way that it felt or this painful thing or this abuse I wrote it all down and the spirit told me when I felt like those, most of those stories were out and complete that I needed to physically destroy it. And so I had to burn it. And that was not a spiritual healing. That was a physical temporal thing. The spirit led me to do that helped me heal. And that's one of them. Going to that doctor was completely another one. I had to stop the chatter inside my head and women are great at this. I think We're good at talking to ourselves when we're frustrated or we're walking around the house and we're slamming the drawers or we're having these conversations in our head. So the spirit also told me, stop the chatter. Stop talking to yourself. Stop reinventing stories that may or may not be true and be still and listen to my voice. So there's lots of things that I had to do. And then along with that, 
I don't know if you remember the talk from President Renlund about temple and family history. And as I pondered on that from General Conference, the Spirit again told me I needed to do something. And he was quoting President Nelson, but he said, President Nelson said, I invite you to prayerfully consider what kind of sacrifice, preferably a sacrifice of time that you can make to do more temple and family history work. And then Elder Renlund said, as you accept President Nelson's invitation, you will find healing for that which needs healing. So as all of these things are converging at once, it is a beautiful promise. And so I did, I decided to dedicate myself and lean in to the promise of a living prophet. And I said, I can tell you what things in my life I need healing from physically, spiritually, emotionally. So as I leaned into that promise, I prayed again and said, Heavenly Father, I have five little kids. I'm serving in a state calling. I'm very busy. How can I continue to heal? And it was the word sacrifice that came out to me because I realized that while I was doing all those other things, which were extensive, I had not properly prepared a sacrifice for the Lord. So in time, the Spirit helped reveal to me, and I set a goal to do 100 ordinances by the end of the year for my ancestors. And that doesn't sound like a lot when there's like five on a card or six when you include the ceilings, but it's a lot when like 65% of those are endowment sessions. So I once again leaned into the promise that if I would give a sacrifice of time through the way the Spirit told me that I would find healing for that which needed healing. And the Lord made good on that promise to me. And it took time and it took a lot of effort. And there were a lot of days that I was like, I don't want to go do this. But I had my goal and I had set that promise and I knew the Lord was aware with that and he made it possible to do all of those things over time at the same time. That is an incredible act of faith on your part and accepting that invitation to be healed through that opportunity in the temple. And in the temple, it is a place of healing. I mean, Satan can't dwell in the temple. The temple is a place of healing. It's a place we can feel our ministering angels. When I was at BYU Education Week, I went to this incredible class about angels. And it was talking about when you do this temple work for your family members, they become your angels and they become more of your ministering angels. And the fact that you have now another hundred angels ministering and watching over you and your family and your kids and your life, that's powerful. I don't think people realize the power of doing temple ordinances, not just for the people who are dead, but for you who are living. And they're so grateful that they are willing to reach out and help your family. What a beautiful promise. Beautiful promises. I would say specifically initiatory those promises that are given there, I feel are connected to my body and soul as well as their bodies and souls. And right, the scriptures tell us without them, they cannot receive exaltation. And without us, they can't. And so it's all of this beautiful circle that works together. And we just have to remember that we were not made for this world. Like this is not our home. And so we have to look beyond the heartache of what this world has to offer and deal with it, accept it, acknowledge it, own it, and push past it and realize that God's blessings are not that far away if we will just be consistent and put forth some effort and follow the Spirit and allow ourselves to heal. I love the story of the 10 lepers, right? Like nine of those, they were only healed skin deep. 
And in this world, we're not going to get all of that physical healing. Like I might not ever end up having some of my physical things taken away from me, but I do know that the Lord can heal us on the inside and make us whole. So we can still be bruised and battered and still feel whole and connected and complete and bound to our Savior and to our Heavenly Father. So I know that that's possible because I've experienced it over and over and over again now. Yeah, that's a really powerful testimony based on your experience and your faith and effort. It's true. I mean, President Nelson says the Lord loves effort, but many people don't feel like they're enough or worthy of God's love and blessings based on their challenging life experience or mistakes they've made. They feel like the Lord will help everyone, but not them. So why is this mindset just so unproductive? Well, I think that's the same thing as sitting at the bottom of the pole with the snake, right? Like, oh, I'm not worthy to look. I think we just sometimes need to be reminded that we are children of God. And we hear that all the time and it goes in one ear and out the other. But that means that I have the right to know him as I would know a loving Heavenly Father. Like sometimes I think we get this backwards where because bad things happen to us, nothing good is ever going to happen in the future. And I love the story. I don't even have it in front of me, but it's the story in First Nephi where Ishmael's daughters are complaining and they're like, oh, all of these terrible things happened to us. And now today our dad died in the wilderness, which means tomorrow we're going to die. And that's just really unproductive and negative. And I think as human beings, we cannot default to the natural man here. We have to be optimistic and realize that the Lord wants us to live a happy life. He sent us here to have joy. So when we just sit at the bottom of the pole and say, well, everybody else but me, then what kind of life are you going to be living? What kind of stories are you going to have to tell? Or you can stand up and you can stay close to the prophet and you always keep your eyes fixed and run around and help everyone else and tell them, keep looking, look over there, look at that snake, that's going to kill you. And it's an act of faith. And so I think... When we just sit and wallow, that one's kind of difficult. My mom always had a saying that she used to tell me, and she would say, you might have to walk through hell time and time again in your life, but you never need to unpack your bags and stay there. So it doesn't matter the bad things that have happened to us in our lives. We don't roll over and play the victim. We don't need to do that. It's not productive. But if we will lock arms with the Savior and trust in his promises and keep our bodies clean, and get good sleep, and we do the things the Spirit asks us to do, and we're willing to go back and process some of the things that have happened, He will heal us. And I know that that's possible. So just sitting at the bottom of the pole is not worthy of a daughter of a Heavenly Father. And we need to not just see Him as a Creator, but as a Father who is with us. And He will give us all that we need as fast as we are able to receive it. Beautifully said. And you are a living example of that. You're a living example of someone who chose not to be the victim, to move on, to marry a wonderful man who changed your life. How are you able to not recreate your past and choose a new way to live with your husband and children? Okay, I'm not going to lie. When I met Devin, I had so many thoughts in my head that were like, I'm just carrying all this baggage. I can't take this into a marriage. Like, How is this going to be better? Or on the flip side, he's too good for me. I have nothing to offer him. Or even on the flip side from that, I didn't know how to trust in something that I had not seen before. And that was difficult and scary for me. 
because all I had ever known in my brain up to that point, it's my perspectives changed now, but up to that point, all I ever thought was come in and say one thing and they're going to do another thing. Or they're going to have all of these problems, even as priesthood holders, and they're not going to keep their covenants and they're not going to have an eternal family. And they say they want this, but they don't really want this. So I had all of these fears. And I remember one night sitting in Devin's driveway at his house, dropping him off. And I just told him, I was like, I love you. Like, I feel like we need to get married, but I am absolutely terrified out of my mind to do that. And all I have known is darkness and sadness and loneliness to that point. And I don't know how to trust that going forward. And he stopped and he looked at me and he said, what has Heavenly Father said about it? How do you feel about it? And I said, well, I feel good. Like, I feel like we should get married. I want to. I just don't know that I can trust that or I'm bringing a lot that you're going to have to carry too. And he said, Lisa, you need to take 80% of that and throw it out the window because I can't do anything with that. And I had grown up in a world where I thought happiness in this life was reserved for either a later date or after we died. I didn't really think you could be happy and joyful here because that's not what my experience taught me. And then one night I was reading in Alma 32 and it says, faith is to hope for things which are not seen, which are true. And so as I thought about that and I thought about Devin's family, I thought, okay, I now have a little sampling of what this could be like. And as I was talking about these things with Devin said, look, I don't know anything of abuse. I don't know anything of abandonment or feelings where you're not worthy. He said, what I have is a mother and father who love each other, who love the Lord, who keep their covenants, who go to the temple, who try to do all they can to raise a righteous family in this world. And that's all I want. That's all that I'm offering you. So the whole way home that night, I had to drive down to Tucson and I was like, I'm getting married. And I was like, so excited because I just needed to hear that from him. I just needed to hear that he had a better way that I could trust that because I couldn't trust. I knew I just didn't want what I had seen. So together over the years, he was willing to help me take on the baggage that I had and the things that I had to work through. He has been so patient and so loving and so kind. So we decided early on, and we've done it frequently since then, what kind of family do we want? What kind of relationships? How are we going to communicate? How are we going to solve problems? How are we going to take things to the Lord and let him work through us? And Devin wasn't asking me to leave all that in the past. He was willing to pick it up and carry me with it and work through it so that we could heal together and create a new life for our family and our children. And that's what we've tried to do. I love that. And the Lord does put people in our life at certain times to change the course of our life. And luckily for you, it was your eternal companion. Well, and there were a lot of people along the way. There's been a lot of people since. So I think the Lord blessed me with someone because of my efforts in trying to be faithful. And sometimes that's a different timetable. Some people have to wait a lifetime for that blessing, but it's worth the wait for someone willing to walk with you and hold your hand and heal and change your story going forward. We can't do a lot about what's happened, but we can change going forward. And that is a beautiful, eternal promise and covenant 
that you make with your spouse. Yeah. I mean, that really leans into the power of choice in changing our lives. You chose to do the work. You chose to partner with somebody who would help you do the work. I mean, it was an active choice to be together as a couple and say, where are we going from here? We're going to shape our own life, our own future for our family. I mean, choice is all part of that. Right. I've got a sign in my bathroom and it says on there, and this, this applies to everything, right? But it says on there, one day or day one. And I love that because that's an active thing that gives me energy. That's like, I can sit and put that off till tomorrow. Or I can sit here, for example, and do 20 squats while I'm brushing my teeth. I do that all the time. I'm going to keep working out. I'm going to keep having faith. I'm going to keep doing that thing. And today is the day. Like today is the day to start changing and you have it in you to do it. And if we follow the spirit, all you got to do is make the choice to make it day one and just choose today to be happy and to be healthy and to work through those things. You can't just leave that because like you said, time does not heal those wounds. So going back and dealing with that in the way that the spirit guides you to, and then just continually choosing every day that you're going to do what Heavenly Father wants you to do. And you're going to choose to be positive when you want to be negative. And you're going to choose to be healthy when you don't want to be. And you're going to choose to sleep because you need it, even though you want to stay up and work on something. So our life is full of little choices over and over. And then we get to see the power of that. Absolutely. And also it's important to like, don't build your foundation on people, build your relationship with divinity, which you did starting at a young age, six years old, having that confirmation that you had a heavenly father who was your father first and carried you throughout your life and you chose to keep the connection and what that led to you in overcoming a lot of these things, not fully, but being able to heal in a way that was comfortable for you and allowing you to progress. And that's what we're all here to do. We're all going to have setbacks. We're all going to have things in a variety of forms that come into our lives that are really, really difficult and challenging. But we have to rely on the Lord that he is not going to leave us alone. And also these angels, all the people we're doing temple work for, all the people beyond the veil who are rooting for us, they are rooting for us. And they are a lot closer than we know or than we give them credit for. And I think the Lord wants to stretch us in a way. So bad things happen, right? And good things happen in the course of our lives and over an entire lifetime. But he's going to push us to a place where we have to choose him. And my patriarchal blessing has a quote that I love. And it says, the Lord will only do all that you will allow him to do. And as I've reflected on that, there are so many times when I fight against what I feel impressed to do, or sometimes I feel nothing, like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And sometimes that's a, just be patient, just keep going. And sometimes you choose. But as I feel that, I focus on that word allow a lot. And I've been doing scripture studies back into the word allow and letting ourselves, like allowing ourselves to come to Christ in a way that's personal, allowing ourselves to go back to those hard things and choosing to heal from it, allowing to take certain people that are harmful out of our lives and allowing light and truth and good people into our lives to fill us up. So I think when we look around at what the Lord has prepared for us and we allow ourselves to step into this scary unknown and actually put our trust in Him, like President Nelson said, to let God prevail in our lives, He will show us beautiful people 
and beautiful things and things that we can't even imagine were possible and a happiness and joy that comes from leaning on him and just trusting that he knows what is best for us. And sometimes that's dark colors on our painting in our lives and sometimes it's bright and joyful and he's there for all of it. And I know that and I testify of that because I've experienced it and I've seen other people do it who are willing to go through that process. Thank you for that beautiful testimony. We'll end right there. Beautifully said. And thank you for sharing your story and your journey with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the What Now podcast. Please help us create positive change by sharing this episode with family, friends, and anyone you think it might help. Just click on that share button wherever you listen to podcasts. I invite you to follow us on Instagram at podcast what now that's at podcast what now for daily inspirational messages. We also invite you to leave a positive rating and review for the review to process. You just need to download the episode and make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Scroll down the episodes until you see ratings and reviews and share your positive feedback, positive ratings and written reviews really help our podcast to grow. We never say goodbye. We say what now? This has been a What Now podcast production.